Hello and welcome to the Take Charge podcast. We have another amazing guest. We have James Cornish, who is a research engineer and he runs the sports analytics for TaylorMade. Now, James works with some of the best players in the world on delivering their stats and improving their games. And we really wanted to get James on the podcast so he can help you decide whether stats is something that you should be doing to help improve your game. You definitely don't want to miss this. So welcome to the show, James. Thank you so much for spending some, some time with us. And I think for the, the listeners, obviously, we want to get a little bit of a background on yourself. So what has led you to this point in your career? Um, it's kind of been a, a roundabout career. Um, I did a PhD in golf um, back in the early 2000s and always wanted to get into the golf industry. Um, I was doing that for the R&A. Uh, then went off and did a little um, jaunt, I'd, I might say, at the MOD, the Ministry of Defence in okay. the UK, um, working in their analyst department, which involved frontline analytics with our troops in Afghanistan, um, involved some time over in Afghanistan working on analytics with our troops, um, looking at uh, patrols, how bombs were going off, all of those sorts of things. Didn't know that. None of them. Not me. That's very impressed. Not many I didn't think I was going to start like that, but yeah, good. And then, and then sort of through that, I've, I always had my interest in golf and my background in golf, and, and TaylorMade were good enough to, to offer me a position back in um, 2011, uh, at which point they, they recruited me to America, moved me over to run our, our sports analytics uh, team, so basically to head up sports analytics. Um, and what we're trying to do really is to try and understand what makes the best players in the world, how can we help our players become better players through statistics, performance enhancement, those sorts of things but also for a company benefit. How can we better identify younger players as they're developing, as they're coming through? How can we identify which PGA Tour pros we want to be on our staff moving forward as well? So that's kind of like profiling them? It is, very much so. Yeah, and I I think a great example of that is is John Rahm. We have a a significant database on on amateur golfers. Um, John Rahm, since 2003, is the best golfer, bar none, to come out of the collegiate programme. So that gave us a lot of confidence when we were talking to him last summer to come and play our equipment full time as a professional and, and the rest is, is history. Well, a great I, success story. I remember, Andy, that we were speaking to some of the guys here at TaylorMade about doing some content ideas and, and I think, I can't remember who it was now, said, you know, we've got, we've got John Rahm, you can do some content with him. And we're like, oh, who is John Rahm? I've not heard of him. Six yeah. months later, we know who he is now. Yeah, I mean, exactly, it's, yeah. it's an amazing, for, I think for everyone listening to this, they only know him for yeah. the last sort of 18 months, really. Yeah. You now, for you guys, obviously, to say that you've known him for that long and how good he's been doing, how well he's been doing, and that's, that's obviously very powerful for you. Yeah, it's very difficult not being able to use the UK betting market over here because it's <laughs> on for so long. And I think he was at 40, what, 40 to 1 to win Farmers Insurance. So. so you've got a very wealthy brother back home. <laughs> <laughs> so, James, so, I mean, we're going to talk about stats. Yep. Um, what would what is your let's say what is your specific role here at Telemade and, and what sort of things when we talk about stats what do we mean by stats you know what sort of things are we looking at um, around these players really okay so so in terms of stats we're looking primarily at things like strokes gained even track man data that's coming in so the launch characteristics of someone's shot my role is really trying to interpret that data to understand how our players are performing yeah and what they might need to do to improve to get better. Do they need to focus on a 20-yard chip shot or do they need to focus on 100 to 150 yards? And really helping educate them on what areas of their game they need to be working on. Okay, and strokes gained, I mean, strokes gained, a lot of the guys will have heard of this back Mm -hmm. home and, you know, maybe seen it on TV. Could you explain a little bit of uh, 
I suppose a summary of strokes gain to make it easy for the listeners just to sure. understand. It's, it's a difficult thing to describe. Yeah, and I'll do my best. Um, so we work, we actually work very closely with Mark Brody, who yeah. is the founder of Strokes Gain. So so we've been working with Strokes Gain since 2012. It only actually came out on the PGA Tour, I think, in 2015-16. So we had a bit of a head start understanding that. Ultimately, what Strokes Gained is, it's a, a metric to allow you to understand the performance of any given shot. Historically, greens and regulation or sand saves, those sorts of things, they merge metrics together. So for a green and regulation, was it your drive or was it your approach shot that got you into a good place on the green? With a sand save, was it a good bunk shot or was it a good putt? You don't know. Yeah. The beauty about Strokes Gained is we know how each shot performs. So you have a baseline for every shot you hit. And that might be a different baseline for a PGA Pro or a five handicap or a 10 handicap. So if I'm 400 yards from the green, for example, and I smash a drive as far as I can hit it, 250 yards down the fairway, um, I start 400 yards back. I'm, let's say just for ease, the average number of shots to get down is four. I hit that drive down the fairway and the point I finish at the fairway, I'm 250 yards from the green. Let's say the average number of shots to get down from there is two and a half. Yeah. So the difference between where I started and where I ended is one and a half shots. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I took one shot to get there, yeah. I would have gained half a shot on the field, on the baseline. So over the course of the round, you can then aggregate that up and look at what did I gain with my driving, what did I gain with my short, my putting and all those things. So you can really isolate where in your game you have strengths and weaknesses. And, that, and that's ultimately how strokes gained is used. There's different baselines for fairways, rough bunkers. Yeah. but. But explaining that gets rather complicated. Yes, yes definitely. I think, I think it does. And I suppose even to the players, and we'll come about a little bit on you know, maybe some of the things you do with the players as well, but I mean, explaining to the players as well must, be, must have been tricky to start with. Yeah, so that's one of the, the messages is just helping them understand that the classic statistics, yes, there's still a great way to try and evaluate your game. If you hit 14 fairways, 18 greens, you're not going to have a bad round. Mm-hmm. But it's helping them understand that. In Mark's book, one of the great things he talks about that really emphasises the importance of strokes gained, and I use this example whenever I talk to anyone, is Angel Cabrera. Um, at, I can't remember which event it was at, but he had 23 putts in the round, and everyone said, what a great round of putting that was. And when we looked at the data, or Mark looked at the data, his strokes gained actually lost shots on the field. He chipped in two times, but he three-putted from six feet a couple of times, and, and it was just a really bizarre round, but it kind of emphasised the point that Strokes gain will just help you understand what you're doing, and it's yeah. not just a high-level, um, maybe misinformative stat. Yeah, and the the sort of players then. I mean, I'm not whether you, I'm not sure whether you can say, but the, what sort of players are you working with? What at what level are these top end players, like top ten in the world at all? Or yeah, so so the focus of, of the guys I work with is, is typically top fifty. Um, yeah, but we are working with a number of top ten guys, or have worked with them in the past. And we've seen some great results over the last couple of years with how these guys have improved, certainly in the areas that we've identified they need to focus. With other guys, um, I've just started working with another top 10 player. We're starting looking at scheduling, we're looking at where he should be focusing at practice and trying to help everything become a bit more objective. So, so when you say scheduling, do you mean the actual events that he yeah. plays in? Yeah. And is that based on how well he plays those courses? or A lot of it's just to do with consistency. Uh, playing week to week, so consecutive weeks. Okay. So is it, is it better to play in one week, two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, six weeks like Tommy Fleetwood's just done, yeah. um, those sorts of things. So it does differ from player to player, obviously? Uh, it does, there's kind of a rule of thumb that you don't want to play more than three or four events in a row because you get burnout, but, mm. but it's yeah, unique to each player depending on what they've done in the rest of the season as well. So, so with these, these, obviously these top players, obviously it's, it's a tricky one, but 
because you won't work with all of them, but, but what percentage of them use stats do you think are the majority? So I think in, in one way or another, whether they know it or not, I'd say 99% of players are working with stats. And that might be trackman stats, so getting their launch monitor data just on the range, which is informative. It helps them with their yardages, getting their gapping and their distances, but also through strokes gained. Um, the strokes gained analysis may come through the player themselves, but also it comes through the caddy and the coach. So the player may have no insight that the caddy and coach is doing this, but it is informing their practice. So, uh, yeah, stats are everywhere. Certainly on the PGA Tour, they're more prevalent. I think the European Tour is coming a bit more up to speed um, in the last few months, certainly. But yeah, on the PGA Tour, it's I'd guess at 99% of players in some form or another. Yeah, and uh, look, we, we know certain golfers, you know, you can pretty much, if you mentioned any of the top 10 in the world, for instance, yeah. you can actually say what they're best at. It's pretty obvious. Yeah. I mean, you look at a Rory McIlroy, we know that his driving is, you know, it's amazing. Yeah. The rest of his game is good, but his, obviously his, yeah. his driving is amazing. But someone I think that, that really seems to have benefited from this seems to be Dustin Johnson, obviously, yeah. with the fact that we, it's, it's common knowledge that he has worked extremely hard on his wedge game yeah. over the, the last couple of years, yeah. you know, led him to, to be world number one. So, you know, I suppose it just shows the power of the stats, and I think in particular he's his track man, doesn't he, to actually he's his track man, yeah, a lot of the time. Yeah, yeah, and his, his wedge play is, is phenomenal. He was, I think he was ranked 50th or so for, for his approach, well, certainly 100 to 150 yards two, three years ago. In 2017, he was second or third in 100 to 150 yards, which is it's just an incredible gain, and that's why he's now a top one player as opposed yeah. to a top ten player. Yeah, people listening to this, they're going, wedge play, 100 to 150 yards. <laughs> What's that? I've never practiced that in my life. What's that? <laughs> that's DJ. Thin so, wedge. So, <laughs> you probably know the answer to this next question. I mean, I've just, we've got it in here. How important is it to keep stats, in your opinion? Obviously, you're going to say it's extremely important. I mean, for the guys, obviously, on tour, it's, it's you know, we're talking um, minute gains, aren't we, for, for, yeah. for, 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 the, for the level they are. For the guys listening at home, you know, how important is it for the guys at home? And I know we've, we've talked about, you know, maybe greens in regulation and, 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 and that, but how important do you think it is for the guys at home, let's say they're a 15, 20 handicap, is it for them to look at their game in detail like this? Yeah, I think historically with things like green and regulation and uh, fairways hit, I think it's interesting. Um, I think to a certain extent for amateurs, it is incredibly important to keep statistics because the way I think about it, a professional golfer spends all day on the range. An amateur spends minutes on the range before a round or during a round. So understanding the areas of your game where you need to focus on during your warm-up or even on the course just to be aware of, okay, I struggle a bit from 50 yards in, it's, it's just a good knowledge to have and good information to have. And I think the, the biggest barrier for amateurs is, is the actual data collection itself. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Pros get it given to them on a, on a plate. Yeah. So, so finding a way to collect your data is, I think, the really important thing that's efficient for you and works, but, but ultimately storing your data is really important. I mean, one example from a European tour guy that, that I worked with that showed the benefits of stats that I think is really relevant to amateurs, simply just tracking what clubs he hit during a round of golf. So he, during his warm-up process, would hit wedge, driver, six iron. After we collected three or four rounds of data, he realized he hit a six iron one or two times a round, but he hit a seven iron three or four times a round. So just switching out the club you're warming up with yeah. is going to have impact on the course and is going to, is going to benefit you moving forward. I think, yeah, I was going to say, I think that you, know, you, you mentioned there about you know, whether it's a 50-yard pitch or an 80-yard pitch, you know, it, you've, got to, you've got to fight. The stats can actually help you figure out what shot you generally will play. Yeah. So a lot of guys who are listening to this are going to be playing the same course week yeah. in, week out, and in the same positions. And 
they may have to sort of switch things up a little bit. They may actually quite, they may actually figure out looking at their stats, well, actually, I'm not very good from 50 yards. Yeah. I'm actually better off from 80 yards. Yeah. So they've got two choices. You practice the 50 yard shot more or you leave yourself 80 yards. Yeah. So I think it's, it's crucial. In that. And I think the other thing is understanding how frequently you're hitting shots in different ranges. So again, a pro example, just because I've got more examples of that, a pro will hit one shot around from 40 to 80 yards. So when you see pros practicing from 40 to 80 yards, it's almost a bit of a waste of their time. Mm. Whereas the real focus should be 100 to 150 or 150 to 200, where they're hitting 13 or 14 shots around. So understanding the frequency of your shots in different ranges can help you tailor your practice a bit as well. Mm. I mean, with, with amateurs as well, I would say the, the key thing to measure, even if you're not measuring your strokes gained, you're not measuring greens and fairways hit, just track your club yardages. It's a bit of a kick in the teeth initially, but it helps become a bit more realistic and it, it will help you get close to more pins. Yeah, and I think one of the things that's interesting, Pierce, you know what it's like when, when somebody comes to us for a lesson and we're asking them about their game and they're saying, well, my driving's um, good or, or you know, my short game's, well, short game's really good. Uh, and they're telling us about the areas that they think they're good at and they think they're bad at. And then yeah. when we take them on the course and we actually see what they're good and bad at, it's totally sometimes the opposite to yeah. what they think. So I think what, what the golfers are listening to back home, what they think they're good at, until they actually measure it and, and, and track these things, I think they'd be quite surprised and actually the things that are letting them down. And we see it all the time, Pierce, don't we, when we take them on the golf course and they're saying that they're really struggling where they're driving, when actually their short game and putting is letting them down. And in terms of improving their scores, you know, faster and, and actually, you know, strategically practicing the right things, yeah. That's going to make a huge difference to them, and uh, I think, like you said, the starting point is actually just tracking some very simple information yeah. to allow them to identify where should I spend that time. Yeah, and I think that's absolutely vital. Yeah, what you say is exactly what we try and do with the players. It's where do I focus? Do I yeah. bother with driving or do I focus on my putting? And I suppose the other thing about it is being slightly cautious, and just because we show that your putting needs improvement is not to neglect your driver. Yeah. It's mm -hmm. just have an appropriate balance. Yeah. I know. I know when we've coached. You know, better players before Andy with, with maybe with caddies or with other coaches or other parts of their team there. We can ask the player what they need to work yeah. at and then we go, right, now we need the truth. Let's ask your caddy. Let's yes, go, yeah, ask don't ask coach. the player. <laughs> because the player actually maybe has a different reality as to what they yeah. need to work at. And I think it's, it's, it's yeah, it's, it's interesting. And, and also, I think players like, and players, golfers of all, of all levels, like to practice a lot of the time what they're good at as well. Yeah. They don't necessarily yeah. like to go and focus so on something that they don't really they're not necessarily good at so you know we all like to hit the driver and, and iron so a lot of golfers at home just go to the range and just focus on that so yeah. um you know it's, uh, it's it's an interesting point but to be fair i think generally speaking the difference between amateur golfers is the long game yes if you can dial in your driver and your approach game as an amateur golfer you're going to score better regardless i think taking from from mark's book two so mark Brody has a book every shot yeah. counts yeah two-thirds of the difference in scoring from an amateur to a pro comes from the long game so getting your long game and approach game sorted it is really vital yeah short game and putting is important and you will remember the chip in or the hole out putt mm. but they don't happen every single round so getting the long game sorted is the way to, to getting better consistency well yeah you can, if you can like you say if you can, can control obviously direction and obviously distance control yeah. especially with the irons coming into the green you know then your short game is going to be used less obviously precisely so that's exactly yeah. what he's getting at with that isn't it yeah for sure yeah, it's chicken and egg. You don't. You have a great approach game. You hit no short shots. So. <laughs> <laughs> so for the guys listening at home, what would you say if they're thinking right? Okay, already there, they're starting to think right. Maybe I should start actually recording some stats. What's the minimum 
um, almost starting point? What should they go away and say, I'm okay, I'm actually going to just start with these two or three things that they should go away and start recording? I'd, I'd simply start with just club distances. Start knowing how far you're hitting all of your clubs. It's pretty simple. Everyone, well, everyone's got access to a GPS device. Yep. Use that, track your yardages, and it, it, it will help you understand how far you're hitting your clubs. It will also help you see if there's any issues with specific clubs, for example. So I might hit my 7-iron 140, I might hit my 8-iron 140. Yep. What's going on? How can I remedy that? And it, it just helps you understand yourself a bit better. The next step from that would be fairways, greens hit, those sorts of things. Just yeah. mark it on the scorecard. You've got a scorecard in front of you, put the score, was that a fairway hit, was that a green hit? Just start tracking those things to understand if your fairways hit are letting you down or actually yeah. I'm hitting 14 fairways and no greens. Okay, well, I kind of know where the problem is then. Yeah. So, so just starting simply with club yardages, classic stats, and then if you, if you want to go all in, track every shot and we can give you all the data that you want. Yeah, so it's just, I suppose it's just, for the guys who've never done it before, it's nice to maybe just dip their toe into it a little yeah, bit absolutely. and just start. And then if, they, if it's something they enjoy doing, they, they feel it's going to give them some benefit, they yeah. can then explore a little bit more and open themselves up to some more information, I suppose, can't they? I mean, one really easy thing to do with the scorecard method and fairways hit is just marking down, was it a fairway hit left or right? Yeah. Did I miss left or right? So you can start to understand Oh, I think I always hit a cut or I hit a fade or I slice it. But actually, in reality, you're missing right a lot more because you're overcompensating for that. And yeah. yeah. It just helps you understand what you're doing. I suppose there's things like severity of miss as well, isn't there? You could be missing, let's say you miss on average 50% of the fairways that you yeah. miss. And, but of those 50% of fairways that you miss, they're, they're highly to the right. But yeah. then the left shot might be further left and actually might be more of a problem. You might be missing the right shot by only a couple of yards, yeah. whereas the left shot you're missing by 50 yards. Yeah, absolutely. These are, you know, so sometimes stats can be misleading for sure. So I suppose you know, it's all about just educating yourself and exactly getting as much information yeah. as possible. Yeah. And I suppose, I know we've already brushed over this, but if you had to pick one discipline that was the most important mm -hmm. out, of, out, of, out of all of them for both a, a tour golfer and for an amateur golfer, what would they be? They may be different, obviously. But. Uh, approach play for both, without a shadow of a doubt. If you can't hit the ball to the green yeah. fairly accurately, you're, you're going to struggle to make scores, regardless of how good your driving is. Your approach play is always that shot to the flag. So for me, that's the most important part of the game. And what sort of range, what sort of yards should you be talking about? 100 to 250 yards. I mean, most pros, for example, are hitting 13, 14 of their shots per round from 100 to 250 yards, and those are the ones setting up the putts. And, and with amateurs, it's more than that, but it's proportionally very, yeah. very similar. Yeah. So this is why really, you know, recording the distances is so key with the irons as well, because again, people come to us, Pierce, and they think they're hitting at a certain distance. They think they hit it 150 yards with their seven iron, but when you measure them, again, it's totally different. So having the awareness of actually how far is that club going, Again, he's going to save shots throughout the round because if you know exactly how far your seven iron is going to carry and you've got a par three with bunkers at the front or whatever it is, then you know exactly the club to use yeah. um, to clear that really. And like you say, the information's priceless then, isn't it? Uh, you know, we definitely have this, but when, we, when we're asking people how far they hit a seven iron, the words that come out of their mouth can sometimes be that it's 170 yards. But the, actually when it's in their brain, well, I hit that one shot with a 7 iron once, once, <laughs> yeah. so maybe that's what I should be hitting it all the time. Downhill, downhill. Downhill, downhill, <laughs> that actually it ran 30 yards. So, yeah. so I think, you know, understanding, you know, absolutely that, that, that's crucial. I suppose yeah. depending on the course that you're playing, the conditions you play yeah. and how much it has 
Hampshire releases when it hits yeah. the green. So we play golf here in California. You hit a seven iron, and then it'll go. If it does go one seventy, it's going one sixty nine in total. Yeah. You know, and then but if you're playing in the UK, maybe when the the, the, the greens are a little bit firmer in the summer, you can be running it out 20, 25 yeah. yards. So. So the, so the carry number is the key, isn't it? Then really, if you know how far you're carrying it, really, then yeah. then exactly you can adapt that to the conditions. Yeah, can dictate. So what are the um, whether we've covered this, I'm not sure. What are the what are amateurs worst at from from what you've seen? Is that would you say that worst at <laughs> approach play? Approach play. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's, it's very it, yeah, it's kind of boring. It's long yeah. game, long game <laughs> okay. and approach game. I sound a bit like a broken record. That's ultimately where they struggle. I mean, if you if an amateur was to take on a professional golfer you'd take them on the green. Yeah. If I was playing any golfer, I would put a ball at 60 feet and say, right, let's putt. Yeah. And it's potluck. But with the approach play, you will, you will lose. Yeah. Um, and, that, and that's where amateurs really do struggle in comparison, okay. myself included. Anna's Anna's Absolutely, absolutely. And I suppose, that, you know, when you're looking at the, the best players now who are aware of this information, they're starting to develop certain trends we would think so when, when you're looking at these guys when they are you know who are taking this advice what trends are you seeing whether it be from how they're practicing now whether they're changing how they hit these shots yeah. is there anything that sort of stands out for you there's nothing in particular about how they're hitting these shots but what we are seeing is very much so that the best players on tour and the, go the guys that hang around are those guys with a good long tee and a good approach game the guys that seem to fluctuate in and out of the top 10 a bit more they're struggling with one of those components. Jason Day is probably a good example. His long tee has been great historically. His approach play has been good. The year he got to world number one, his approach play was the best it's ever been. But in the years before that and the years subsequent, he struggled with his approach play, which is why, why we've seen him drop out of the top 10 now. So, so it is, again, it all comes back to, to that long game. I mean, a golfer can certainly get into the top 10 and, and can get up the rankings like we've seen with Ricky Fowler this year based on some great putting, some yeah. good short play, yeah. but keeping that going year to year is, yeah, is, is burn. I mean, Luke Donald's probably the best example of it. The years where he was the number one player in the world, it was all down to his approach play. Yes, he had a great short game and great putting, don't get me wrong, but his approach play is the difference between him now and, and where he was in his best years. And isn't, it, isn't it interesting, though, that we do hear this a lot, that Luke Donald, you know, who's like 90% from 10 foot and in, we were hearing yeah. those sort of numbers, and then Jason, they were talking about how his putting stats obviously were good, yeah. um, and Jordan Spieth, obviously, what he's doing, but it, it is interesting that, you, you know, those, the, the, the approach shots kind of gets brushed aside a little bit, because yeah. people have always associated, you know, drive for show, put for dough, yeah. you know, and obviously it's a discipline as part of the game which is really important but the, the the putting definitely seems to take more of a preference in people's general perspective of this yeah i think there's a great quote from mark's book that i've stolen that if you can't putt you can't score if you can't drive you can't play yeah. i think that kind of sums, <laughs> yeah, sums yeah. it up perfectly and i think we you can all to your, that. your quotes by the way <laughs> <laughs> well we've got another one maybe maybe another one so and again i think just going on this approach play and then this is my my memory on this is probably a little bit off but I know Tiger when he had a really good season, maybe 2006. I always I remember seeing this. It was actually something I was doing with Aaron and the others, but just some what about coach, what about players in the European Tour. And it was looking at his stats, and I think it was from 175 to 200 yards. I think he averaged like 21 feet from the, the yeah, flag, yeah. which is which is pretty impressive. And then like second place was 24 feet, and you look at it and go, well three foot closer over the course of a season doesn't sound like a lot but then when you look at like second uh, sorry third fourth fifth sixth seventh they were all like 24 feet still so it like went up to like 
50th before it got into like 25 feet, I think. So it just showed you that it's so tightly knit. They're all amazing ball strikers in the, the top 50 in, in, of that season, but Tiger was just so far ahead when it came to that season. And the, yeah, the crazy thing about Tiger, I was looking at his data this morning actually, 2003, four, I can't remember the other years, but there were four or five years there where he ranked top 20 in every component of his game. No other player has gotten near to that. So I think he was top 10 in driving, top one in approach, top 20 in short game. Again, he probably didn't have many short shots yeah. Yeah. and top 20 in putting and it's just completely unbeatable across the board. Mm. Let's hope he can get back to He's that. Back. It'd be good to see him back. Yeah, it was great back. to see him recently anyway. Um, so for the, for the um, amateurs who are, let's say, listening to this, who they, they, they might play up 18 or mid-20s and they say, well, am I really good enough to, to be able to start using stats? Because a lot of them will think, well, I'm not, I'm not that good enough yet to, to yeah. do that. What, would you, what advice would you give to those guys who don't necessarily think they're good enough to use stats? They're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Simply put, anyone can benefit from stats. I, I, I don't think you need to be the best player in the world or the worst player in the world. If you know where your weaknesses lie, you're going to have a strength somewhere in your game. A, it gives you confidence that that is a, a strength of yours. But B, if you identify your weaknesses, you can work on them. And, and like I said earlier, for an amateur, they have minutes and not hours to practice. So focusing on a just, I'm going to hit three 20-yard chips before I go on the course, or I'm going to hit three five-iron before I go on the course, will just help that little bit to get them in the rhythm and, and help them play that bit better. Mm, superb. So anyway, I think, look, the, the main thing we've sort of learned today, and this is, you know, we can't, me and Andy have spoke about this before, and we've, you know, obviously we've, we've seen Mark's book, and understand this but it's really good speaking to you about you know the importance of the approach play really you know obviously yes the driving but the approach play is, is massively yeah. important so this is something that's obviously is going to be a little bit top heavy when it comes to our next question but we ask everybody who their ultimate golfer is so whether it's you know for driving for mm -hmm. <laughs> approach play um, wedge game short game and putting and maybe a few people have sort of expanded that to mental strategies and yeah. things like that. So it'd be great to get your ultimate golfer okay. based on stats. Based on stats. You know, at the, at the moment, I suppose that, that changes, I suppose, I as think well. So. so I think 2000, 2017, or even, you know, what you're seeing over the last few years. Yeah, I, 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 was, I was thinking about this for a while. So ultimate golf forever, clearly Tiger Woods. But if you break it down by each part of the game in the last year, you'd have DJ's driving ability. Mm -hmm. The second one might be a bit of a surprise, Paul Casey's approach play. Wow. Then you'd have, probably unsurprisingly, Jordan Spieth for short game and, and Ricky Fowler's putting in 2017. Okay. If you go back different years, you probably have different guys, but that would be it. From a mental side, I think I'd probably have John Rahm. Yeah. It's yeah. interesting, isn't it? Because you get, we ask this everybody and we get different answers, but based maybe on what they see on TV or, or what they just, what their opinion is, and obviously what you're going by is some of the some of the facts there and the stats, which probably we wouldn't necessarily hear from, from the majority of the, yeah. the people we get on the podcast. So it's always interesting to get the actual, you know, so real, real details of it, really. What you're saying, that one's the truth. That's the truth. <laughs> so no one else says anything we, else. Yes, they're, they're, they're all wrong. Months, they're all wrong. <laughs> one of the interesting things is, so on TV, you will see pretty much every putt from eight feet and in hold. Yeah. But actually yeah. the percentage for a professional golfer, and it's consistent golf to golfer, is 50% yeah. from eight feet. You never remember those ones. Exactly. We, we talk about limitate, you know, sort of um, expectations and them being very limited. Yeah. You know, for a lot of people, limiting, should I say? And I think if you you you're exactly right. You're watching these guys on the telly for a reason because they're playing well. Yeah. You know, you're not watching the other 120 of them who are missing those eight footers. Yeah. And not in contention. But um, yeah, I think it's 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 very interesting to see. I think for 
so for anyone who's still listening to this to understand you know what things they can pull out of this and I'm sure people are listening now can maybe have a different outlook on their game yeah, yeah definitely I think just you know just starting simple of what what you said there starting to record your club distances and just you know basics of are you hitting fairways how many greens are you hitting and just you know just to start maybe thinking about that in a different way and uh, as opposed to you guessing where you think you're going wrong I think yeah. if you start doing that you're going to get some interesting information and that will really focus your practice in, a, in, in the right way okay James thanks so much for your time before you go we're going to finish off with a quote hopefully yeah. from yourself um, you know something that maybe again you've seen you like you live by anything like that to finish the podcast off so given he was back playing last week and in my opinion and I think statistically as well <laughs> the yeah. greatest golfer ever Tiger Woods came out with a quote that I think is really apt uh, no matter how good you get you can always get better and that's the exciting part. Perfect. Yeah. I think that's a great quote to finish off there. The podcast, James, thanks so much for your time. I think Thank the guys you. at home hopefully will enjoy that. Some fantastic information to, uh, really to take from that. So, yeah, cheers for your time, James. Thanks Not a lot. Not at all. Thank you. Cheers. I'm going to figure out how far I hit my 7 iron now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there you have it, guys. We hope you enjoyed that. Some fantastic information there for James. Now, look, we want to reach as many people as we can to help them improve their golf. So, please, if you have the time, please head over to iTunes and leave us a review and also share this podcast with three of your friends to see if we can grow this podcast to really help as many people as we can. Also, if you want to have myself and Pierce as your very own personal online golf coaches, head over to meandmygolf.com. You can join for free where we put out videos every single week to help your game. Thanks for listening, guys, and we'll see you soon.